Hey everybody, welcome to a new episode of Ideas Don't Bleed, a comics podcast presented by Ashcan Press and featuring Matthew Rosenberg and his sidekicks, the Supple Boys, aka Ethan S. Parker and Griffin Sheridan. Uh, Matt, it's your podcast, you're outside basking in the glory of nature, how's how's the week going? Okay, a couple things, we're going to back it up. First of all, it's our podcast. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think we've done the sidekicks thing before, and I said no. Yeah, what? no, I know. Right. Sometimes but I do things. Like to see but but I, I think you're also. I think it's also fascinating because uh, you guys also don't like being called the Supple Boys, but you call yourselves that all the time. <laughs> it still happens. It's in just the like yeah, it's, it's, I don't know, man. It's because yeah. uh, like I don't habit. like. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm just saying. Like I have not been shy about letting you guys know the Supple Boys is a disgusting nickname, <laughs> and <laughs> I stopped saying it when you guys were like, "Yeah, we don't want people to call us." that while we're writing uh-huh. and i was like well the best way to do that is to stop using it and people will stop saying it and you guys are just like right there the subtle voice well, for, well for, especially for anybody who listens to the show regularly you know that i i record intros for all the part twos where i say all of this stuff yeah and so what i just said is the same thing that i've said like 45 times yeah, but you don't uh, have and so to it's like that. I know that I don't have to do that, but I'm consistent. So do we yeah. want to do a take two and I'll mm-hmm. drop it? This will no, be like no, this is time. all going in. This is all I, I just think this is a show. Yeah, it's like this, consistency's sake where like we started the show, you know, we were all in on Supple Boys branding still. And it's, so it's just still like, here. It's it's like an attachment thing. First of all, the idea that we're doing consistency on this show, like tomorrow I might on the next episode, I might just be like, don't call me by my name. My name is Dave now like I'm not concerned about consistency at all I love that, <laughs> all right, that would be next great. one I'll do is Dave uh, but this second of all this is chaotic should else. we do the show with like other yeah. than other than this which is chaotic I'm outside as you mentioned I will say I don't want to be blamed for the chaos either I did the same intro I always did and then you attacked <laughs> you're blaming Griffin immediately yeah, I'm all blaming right. you <laughs> yeah, well, oh yeah me and, Griffin you, will, me and Griffin will split the blame on this one uh, I'm taping outside. Uh, it's, a ni- it's a nice day. It's beautiful. There are animal noises that, like, I literally couldn't tell you what kind of animal that is. Mm-hmm. Um, so I might, you know, like, the the smart money's on a bird, but it sounds, like, bad. It sounds like a bad bird. Uh, but none of that is the point. The point is that despite our chaotic intro and our weird animal noises, I think we have a very exciting show. And do you guys know why? Why, dear Matthew? Because we have a very dear friend of mine, mm-hmm. a, a former co-writer of mine, the wonderful Alex Segura is here. Hello. Yay! Yeah, thanks for having me. <laughs> you say I'm former so- as if it will never happen again. Uh, well, it's not happening currently. Like, yeah, I don't want to be like, like, you're currently writing. Yeah. I don't want you to get blamed for all the stuff I'm currently writing. I don't want uh, you to get that the joker anger we are not actively working we're not on actively working on something although we do talk, we talk about it yeah we should we do talk about doing stuff all the time two we of dance the busiest people it. in comics yeah we talk we go that would be cool and then we were both like huh. 
and then we kind of move on. But it yeah. would be cool. It would be. Um, um, Thanks Alex, for having me. Thank you for coming on the show. I'm sorry that it's so chaotic. I'm sorry that Griffin and Ethan are inside for this one. It wasn't the theme of the show, but it'll have to do. I love it. Um, I'm also inside. I, with you, yeah. You're the guest. You can yeah. be wherever you want. There's no rules for you. I'm in the one room without small children. <laughs> it's lovely. Alex, <laughs> why comics? Hmm. Good question. Why man. comics? Um, I don't know. I think the thing that always resonates is just like the love of the game. Like some, you know, I think there's the thing that we would probably be doing it. I hate to say this out loud on a podcast that will be recorded and, <laughs> but we'd probably do it anyway. Like even yeah. if there was no business to sure. it, it's the same with novels. Like, you know, I was, I remember when I was starting out Megan Abbott and I, she's like a New York times bestselling yeah. amazing crime writer. Um, she was like, the secret is you would be doing this anyway. Yeah. Like, even if you weren't making money or even if you didn't want the financial part of it, yeah. you would probably be doing this anyway. And I think that applies to comics, too. Like, I'd probably be doing it anyway. Yeah, yeah. Because the obsession is, like, runs that deep. Yeah. I sometimes have a little little fantasy about making comics where I don't put my name on them. And then that fantasy spirals out into a, and I don't try and get anyone to read them <laughs> and like i'm just like i just make them to make them and feel what that feels like for again. yourself yeah which is funny because i spent five years not five years but maybe three years making comics and sending them to like eight or ten editors and they wouldn't even open the emails and yeah. so i did make comics that no one looked at and it was miserable but now i have this as like a fantasy to like go back and and revisit that time because it's uh it felt pure, I guess, is the idea, even though it wasn't pure in any way. But there's a yeah, romance I mean, part to of it. it is the the rush of engagement, I guess, when it's yeah. like thoughtful and it's honest, as opposed to just like nasty, which it can be, especially online. Sure, but I, I mean, I think that genuine like engagement with fans, like I, I'm just coming from a con, so it's like fresh in my mind, like seeing people that have read your work and like yeah, have feelings, like that's that's hard to hard to really define how cool that is. Yeah, no, it is, it is, um, it is a funny thing for me. Like I, I do remember when I was making comics because my, my, a lot of my family are writers and I personally, and I don't, I don't ascribe this mentality to other people, but I always, you know, there, there's that old, you know, idiom that, or whatever adage that, that people say, like, uh, if you if you want to be a writer, you're a writer. Like it's not like being a doctor. It's like you just have to sit down and write. And right. to me, to me, it was like that never felt true to me because like I watched family like writing paid for my all my meals as a child, all yeah. my clothes, the roof over my head. And so I was like, no, it's it's something else. And so I had this sort of nebulous relationship with the idea of like what being a professional writer was. And I, for a long time, was like, well, it's going to be getting art back. And then I got that. And I was like, I don't feel like a writer. And then it was like, well, it's going to be getting a publishing deal. And I was like, that doesn't feel like it. And then it was like, it's going to be a stranger buying your work from you or buying your work somewhere. And the first mm -hmm. con I ever did where I sold a book, like that was such a, like I remember it as such a heavy moment for me of yeah. just being like, that's my last barrier calling myself a writer. Like someone just came up, looked at something I wrote and was like, yeah, this is worth five bucks to me. Like, let's find out if I like it. And uh, it, it's, a, it's a strange thing, but I'm, I'm fascinated by your relationship to writing specifically because you have 
such an interesting road to being a writer because you were in all you wore all these other different hats around mm -hmm. comics and publishing. And so I sort of want to talk about that because I think it's really um, I think it's interesting, but I also think uh, I'm curious how a lot of that informs you. So like, let's talk, yeah. you, you, you started at wizard magazine. Is that, yeah. Uh, I mean, I did some fan press stuff. I was a reporter for Newsarama, but that was like working from home. And then, um, and then my first kind of full-time comics job was as an associate editor for wizard for a couple of years. And that was, that was, I mean, a lot of, it's funny now, a lot of people don't know what wizard was, but it was mm -hmm. like the tastemaker in the industry for sure. a long time. Like if you got a wizard cover, it would literally affect sales. And sometimes wizard often sold more than some of the best-selling comics. So, yeah. you know, the publishers would vie for real estate in the magazine. I remember a lot of meetings with like DC or Marvel would come in and have their entourage of people like just pitching the wizard editorial mm -hmm. team on what was coming up to be in print. Um, and that was really, I just wanted to get my foot in the door. I think I played the long game, not by design, but I really just wanted to be in comics. And I always knew I wanted to work on comics, but um, I think just being in the proximity and kind of getting to see under the hood, like going to conventions, mm -hmm. like meeting talent, um, and just being tapped into the process as early as possible was really helpful. And um, and that continued until I was at DC and then beyond. Yeah. So you, when you were at Wizard... Did you want, did you know you wanted to write comics? Yeah, 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 I did. I knew, I knew I wanted to. And it's funny, like with Secret, in Secret Identity, the book that came out last year, which is a murder mystery set in comics in the 70s, there's a character called the Legendary Lynx. Like that's the character the protagonist creates. I created a character called the Lynx right around that time before I got to Wizard. So it was always like in my mind, like I always knew I wanted to make comics. I just didn't mm -hmm. know how to do it. And so I figured you know, I can have this journalism background and I can write on deadline and I can do stuff. So how can I serve comics in that way and kind of figure out how to get my foot in the door the other way at some point? Yeah. And there was definitely a fork in the road where I was worried that I would never get that chance, you know, that I would sure. always be either an editor or a publicist or a marketing person. And so I tried to like, I wanted to be as clear as possible, as early as possible that I wanted to write. And, mm -hmm. and that was like the long, that was a long game, not by design. It was just like, I knew that at some point I needed to figure that out. And, um, and it's funny now I'll run into people that I worked with at wizard or DC and, and they'll say, yeah, we, we knew that was where you were going to go. Like mm -hmm. you were always talking about it. It was just a matter of like finding the right opportunity to like dip my toe and see if I could do it. Like, you never know if you can do it. Like yeah, my first comic script, I was like, uh, I've, I'd read all the books. Like, you know, you read all the books, you sure. You know, Denny O'Neill's Guide to Writing DC Comics, all that stuff. And then, but when you start putting pen to paper, it's almost like you forgot everything. And yeah. it was, but yeah, that was always the hope. The, uh, I'm, I'm curious about the wizard stuff because so many, when I started making comics, mm -hmm. so many of the people I would meet were ex-wizard yeah. <laughs> or like you you just find out like oh yeah all these people at marvel were ex-wizard all these people at dc it's were kind of crazy. it's really crazy and like really a launching pad for uh, a a really good like at least in that era a very large chunk of the industry like got their feet wet at wizard but there's almost no one there's very few people that i can think of who made the jump to writing there there's not as many people on the creative side from wizard i can't actually there's one or two maybe yeah i mean 
you know, Alejandro Arbona has done a lot of editing. He worked at Marvel and Valiant. Yeah. I think he's doing some writing now. He's doing some writing, yeah. Yeah. Um, Sean Collins is a critic, sure, but he's not in co- writing comics. I mean, he does some comics. Um, but yeah, a lot of it is just like high level people at different companies. Like you have Ryan yeah. at Marvel, you have Brian Cunningham was at DC for a long time before he went to Aftershock. Um, you know, the list goes on. I don't want to start rattling off names, but sure. you know, you, you throw a dart at the big companies and you'll probably find one or two wizard people. Yeah. Um, which is kind of wild because, you know, I was there a short time, two years, maybe tops. A mm-hmm. lot of them were there much longer, but, um, I don't remember a lot about that time. Like I remember the friendships. Like I talked to a lot of the guys yeah. that were there. Like we're it's a really tight knit group. Um, but the work of being at Wizard is I don't remember it at all. Like I think we, you know, we did some good stuff and there's stuff I'm proud of, but sure. it was more about like the camaraderie and like, you know, we were all t- in our twenties, like trying to figure out yeah. comics and how to survive. And uh, you know, it and also Wizard was not in New York City. <laughs> it was yeah. like it was in Congress, New York, which is a very desolate for a kid from Miami who had never seen snow before. Mm-hmm. It was like Hoth, like an alien planet. <laughs> uh, like I'd never dealt with snow. I did, did you move up there for? Wizard? Yeah, I moved up there. Yeah, I moved up for Wizard. I was and living did... in an attic apartment in uh, Spring Valley. Okay. <laughs> with this elderly couple that owned the house, it was very bizarre. Um, but you know, it was cool. It was a great yeah, like, yeah. crash course in life. It's when it's, is that book, Alex? I need the living in the attic with the old people downstairs giving yeah. you, assumably, wisdom and warning. They were very notes. nice. And um, I like to think that they're still chugging along, though they probably are not. But it was, you know, I just read a lot of comics and worked at Wizard and went to conventions. And <laughs> it was wild. It, but it was a perfect, like stepping stone into the industry, like immersion were, in comics. Were you there at the end of Wizard? I was you, le- you left before then. So you didn't. You were asking if he was there at the end of their life, and I was were like, you <laughs> "Were you there? Uh-huh. Were you there with? Were you with them, Alex?" I no, were you there? I've I've just heard the you know like I go. Uh, we obviously we have a bunch of mutual friends, and mm-hmm. I sometimes go. Uh, we'll go to a party or a barbecue, and there are a lot of wizard people there, and you guys are all very funny and and charming and wonderful. But there is always inevitably a discussion turns to the last days of Wizard, which sound not that different than the fall of saigon <laughs> like yeah. like everything's going crazy they're selling everything like take what you want kind of yeah vibe. it was it's definitely uh, i was not at the end i was there i think at the kind of prime time where wizard was really at its peak not because of me i'm not conflating mm-hmm. the two things but, but um, maybe maybe yeah maybe no. but i was there and um you know ricky was there brian cunningham was there mike cotton was there a lot of people and then you know ryan came in and um but i was only there about two years and the end times were much i think around 2000 so you you left when ryan panago showed up yeah once he got there i left yeah yeah there's no reason to stay <laughs> yeah, okay. um and where did you you went straight to dc from there no, I went back to Miami and I worked at the newspaper for a couple of years. And oh. then when I was I was doing um, I was a, what we would call now an et- web editor, but I was mm. the copy editor for the the Herald, the Miami Herald. And so that was intense. I mean, like dealing with that's, breaking news. And that's a big one. Work. Yeah, it was cool. Yeah. It was a great job. Um, but I wanted to work in comics. So, mm-hmm. you know, it was like once uh, I started reviewing graphic novels for the newspaper and that got me on the radar of the head of DC's publicity and um, and they messaged me and said, would you ever consider like doing an, you know, trying to be 
a publicist. Mm -hmm. Um, And it so happened that I was already going to be up in New York on vacation. And so I just bought a suit. I didn't have a suit. I bought a suit while I was on my trip and (laughs) interviewed with uh, the publicity department, the head of marketing. I sat with Paul Levitz, which was wild. Like, and um, I remember mentioning it to Paul recently. And I wrote this essay, like introducing something he'd written on a crime fiction website. And he was like, I didn't know you remembered that. Or I didn't, he didn't remember it, obviously, because he huh. probably did it with everyone. But to, it had great meaning to me to like be in that room and like kind of soak up that history. And yeah, yeah. I was just like, this is either this is going to be great and I'm going to get this job and have this great story to tell, or I'm just going to go back to what I was doing before, which was fine. But it was, you know, it felt very much like a moment. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and you were at DC for a while. You were at DC. Yeah. Like five years. And then, um, and then I hopped over to Archie and took over their uh, PR department. And that's that's really when I did a short story at DC almost while I had a foot out the door. Mike Martz, uh-huh. who's now at Mad Cave, was the Batman editor. And he yeah. was doing he was doing like the Halloween specials, which were like I don't think they do them any well, they do them. They do do them. Um, sort of, but um just anthology books. And yeah, he said, Do you want to do a short story? And back then, I don't know what the status is now, you couldn't write if you were on staff uh-huh. it's probably the same now but um no i think you can write on staff <laughs> okay good well that's good i guess um but yeah back then it was didn't fly and so i had to get a lot of approvals and it was this whole logistical thing but you know it got approved and so i got that that was my first credit which was a flash and solomon grundy story in that was that was that your first published thing yeah i mean first, first published um, comic, comic yeah comic. first published comic yeah I was working on the novels at the same time, but I wasn't on the P. Fernandez novels. Yeah, the P. Fernandez books, but those weren't ready to go yet. Uh huh. Um, I just needed to write. I needed to see if I could do it, you know. And I yeah. couldn't. The thing is, is if you work at a major publisher, you're not going to be allowed to write for anyone else. You know, I couldn't yeah. pitch Marvel. I couldn't pitch like Dark Horse or anything. Like I knew people everywhere, but I couldn't. Sure. Um, so I was writing these novels, and I was writing these novels about Miami because I was homesick, and you know, I was reading a ton of crime novels just to read something that wasn't the stack of comics we'd get every week like yeah. which were great it was like a like christmas like you got that huge stack of comps every week of everything that dc published um but you, i just needed something else and so i was doing that sure it's funny the uh when i um i, I think i knew you but i was i was mm-hmm. working i was working i definitely knew you. i was working at a um i was working at a comic shop in the city yeah. and i was like i need to get a different job i need to be like more in publishing like i've learned what i can learn of that side of this yeah. like i mean i haven't obviously like i could work in a comic shop for 30 years and still be learning but like i i was like i want to learn other stuff i want to mm-hmm. and i wanted to get a job in publishing and i uh knew the valiant guys and i interviewed for valiant and i had a bunch of interviews and i came in and they uh offered me the job i had i had i think three in-person interviews and they offered me the job wow um and they put a contract down in front of me and we're like here you go and the thing you just said like uh dinesh uh who who was the head of valiant at the time is now the head of bad idea was like um you know that if you come work for us you can't write for other people and like that had not occurred to me (laughs) like and it was like you know that's just naive i just wasn't in the industry and i just didn't think of that that i was like yeah of course the head of like you know, one of the mark not the head of, but like one of the marketing guys at Valiant, they don't want writing a book. Yeah, at Boom they don't want to see your name on another book. Yeah, yeah, they don't want to see me pu- pushing that or anything. And I was just like, oh, 
And I just like stopped from signing my name. And I remember like, I was like, Hey, can I just like take this contract home and read it? And I left and I walked out with it and I was walking from their office to the subway and Adam Freeman, who was the head of marketing mm -hmm. there called my cell phone and he went, I just lost you. Didn't I? And I was like, I don't think I can yeah. do this man. Like I'm trying to write. And he was like, he was really sweet and really kind. And he was like, man, I'm pulling for you if that's what it is, but like, make sure you're right. Like, make sure you can do it because like, we're not, the job's not going to stay open. And I was like, I know, I know. And he was like, take a day. <laughs> I took a day and I went home and yeah. I, I called them and I was like, yeah, no, I can't do it. And then actually the uh, two days later, I got my first offer for a Marvel uh gig two days after that yeah. so uh but it, it immediately worked out yeah it immediately worked out yeah so no uh no bad consequences of making stupid choices in your career uh, no but i had a similar thing like i knew that that one dc short story was not gonna it, it wasn't gonna open the door and be like okay alex publicity guy now you can write like team titans or whatever yeah, you know, yeah. it was it was a one-off and it, i knew it was a one-off and so when archie reached out they were like we want you to come and, and do our publicity I, I, I was like, I want to be able to be considered for writing because mm -hmm. I love those characters. Like to me, sure. Archie is, you know, iconic in the same way that Superman and Batman and whatever, Spider-Man. Um, so I knew going in that I would have that opportunity, but it's also limited, a limited opportunity. Like I could write for Archie, but I yeah. couldn't pitch Marvel or DC or anyone else. It was still yeah. like, so it was a very gradual process. Yeah. And, and that's interesting that that was a big part of it for you because yeah. I, I, uh, cause obviously when you got there, you wrote, uh, Archie meets kiss, yeah. which was like, I, bizarre you know, as hell. <laughs> bizarre as hell, but also like I worked in a comic shop when it came out. I mean, we, I, did, you know, yeah. we did a signing. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But it was like, that was a big book. Like that yeah. was, that was a, like, which is funny for me. Cause I like, I don't really like kiss that much. And so I was kind of like, well, but like, I was like, I'm happy for Alex. So like, Alex, yeah. I like Archie a lot, which was, a I like the bonkers element of it. Like this, uh -huh. I treated them like comic book characters. Like yeah, they yeah. are. They're cartoon no, the, characters. The book is great. The, I like the book more than I like the band by a lot. <laughs> um, and it, I like the book so much that I was like, maybe I do like kiss. And then yeah. I went and listened and I was like, well, not really. I'm, I'm uh, good. There's, there's a couple songs that I like, but like, you know, uh, I grew up a punk rock kid, so like my kiss is yeah, the, the Misfits. So like I was like I already listened to the Misfits when I was young. I don't need to listen to Kiss. Like guys in makeup singing about goofy shit. I already yeah. have that. Yeah. I heard a band who does that already. Yeah, no, it was a huge. I mean, I did a signing. We did a signing at your store, and then also yeah. we went to Cal L A and signed with Gene and Paul yeah, at Golden yeah. Apple, which was. I don't I'm, think I fully appreciated that until much later. I was actually yeah. had dinner with Dan Parent at Terrificon, uh -huh. and we were reminiscing about it how wild that was. Yeah, I'm sure um i mean it's cool also because like they're comic book dudes so it's not yeah. just like here's a thing that you're in and they're like oh like they i'm sure we're pretty they get it yeah yeah um but what did that book do like that's a different thing than writing a short story in an anthology that's like your book with your name on it and like did that did yeah. that make you did that make doing pr feel harder <laughs> Did that make it feel like more like I, I need to go do this more? Or were you like, oh, no, I can do both. Was it a good feeling? Uh, it was good. I think I did a few like short before I did Archie Kiss. They kind of tested me on a few one off stories. Like, can mm -hmm. he do like a straight traditional Archie story? And I think I did well enough that um, I still feel like I kind of blurred the lines a little bit. I was literally in the CEO's office when he said, hey, Gene Simmons called and he wants to do Archie Kiss. And had I 
been true to just what the hat I was wearing, which was like head of publicity, I would have just been like, great, that's awesome. This is how we yeah. can promote it. Instead, I blurted out, I can do this. Like, let me yeah. write it. And um, I don't regret that. I think sure. it was, you know, sometimes you have to make those choices. But um, I think it definitely then then my career bifurcated in mm -hmm. comics. Like, you know, I was doing the novels and that was that was fine or the novels were percolating. And I think Archie could say, OK, you're just doing that thing over there. But that officially made me like the PR guy. But also I wrote stuff. And then my immediate thought was like, what's next? Like, yeah, I was hungry for it. And I was learning as I went. Like those first comics are uh, my son's reading them, which is wild. Like he read Archie Kiss. And I was like, oh, that's mommy, like who I was dating at the time <laughs> and is now my wife. But, yeah. you know, because they had her drawn in. Dan drew a bunch of people, or my friends sure. in there. And it was just kind of interesting to think back and that he can experience it. But I was still so I was just learning as I was going. Like I was like, OK, yeah. this is how you pace a book. Like and you know this, too, probably with your first comics. And um, it was just on such a bigger stage. Yeah, you know, I didn't yeah. do like the it just felt like a huge way to kind of kick the door down, which was fun. Uh, the, it, it's the reason I asked that question is because I was still working in a comic shop when I had my first thing came out, which was yeah. the the Wu Tang Clan book, and it was like, it oh, there's a goose. Um, guys, we're gonna cut out the goose noise, right? <laughs> we'll cut out the goose. I'm Turn it up. Crank, I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm planning to increase the volume. Yeah, yeah, let's. We'll get the goose down here for a post post game. Ladies and gentlemen, special guest goose. <laughs> the goose is here. So goose, oh, why Gulliver goose? Why yeah. comics goose? Yeah, why comics? <laughs> um, the no, I was working in a comic shop when when my first book came out. It was the Wu Tang Clan book, which like I worked in a shop in New York, like, and I was good at hand selling and I could sell that, but it wasn't a book that exactly set the world on fire. Mm -hmm. And I sort of was like. I didn't know what it would be like to have been on the other side. Like, what would it have been like if I was working there and the book did well, you right. know? And so, like, you had that with Archie Kiss where you're like, I'm in this chair, but I'm also over on the side doing this and it's doing well. And I think that's fascinating. Uh, I think the hard part for me was I, I like to think, I, you know, I, I'm a writer. I, I write full time now. Thank God. It's a blessing. But I think I'm also a pretty good publicist. So it was sure. also, you know, what how do I ethically do this? Like, what's, what's the best way to, you know, I, it almost made me a more humble interview or, you know, I was more yeah. cautious and conservative about pitching myself. I pitched Dan or, yeah. um, you know, but that was the only, that was the challenge, but it was also like, I was riding that wave of being so excited to just have written a comic. And, you know, Dan Parent is the Archie artist of the modern age so to have him, to have him draw it. It would be like if we were in the sixties and DiCarlo drew a story. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, when when we did stuff and and Dan Parent would do it, yeah. Uh, it, the the joy for me was showing it to my parents, and then being like, "Oh, it looks like Archie." Like yeah, if, it is I was Archie. like, I was yeah. like, "It's Archie." Like it's a hundred percent. Like the feel is the same. He just gets it. He breeds yeah. Archie in a way that like. You know, I don't think you can say there's another artist in another like established character like that, where you can be like, there's not a definitive modern Batman artist. Right. There's not a definitive modern Spider-Man artist. There's a lot of amazing ones, but like Dan Perrin is like a definitive artist for Archie. Yeah, he just it. is it. And yeah. I mean, there's a lot of other great artists that have drawn 100%. Archie recently, but um, yeah. Dan has defined the look of classic Archie for today. Yeah, I mean, we, you know, we, uh, you know, to jump ahead a little bit, but then you and me did yeah. some Archie stuff. Yeah, you brought Ramones to Archie. I, I brought the Ramones to Archie, uh, which was uh, I remember that I was thinking you were about so that. persistent. I was obnoxious. Well, the funny thing is, I remember uh, I was thinking about it when I was getting ready for this because I was like, 
I need to get work. I want to do stuff. I, mm-hmm. I really like the Archie Meets Kiss book. What would it be like if it was like a band on that level, but a band I liked? Yeah. <laughs> and I was like, and so I remember, I, I think, I don't remember if I called you or I, I might have seen you. Yeah. And, and I was like, hey, we should do Archie Meets Ramones. And you were like, yeah, that's cool. Yeah, and I was like, sure. I was like, how do we do that? And you were like, go get the Ramones. <laughs> and I was I like, I didn't have a contact, but you yeah. did. And, and I was like, oh that's not selling you guys and you were like no like that's not we don't we're not (laughs) built for that and i was like oh okay and then it was uh a a long journey to get i remember there was one call where i think it just went we thought it went sour like completely sour and i think we did the call you and i talked after and we were just like this is dead yeah and then somehow we revived it and it happened yeah journey uh it, it was funny for me because i spent a long time because i worked in music and i kept having calls with people who were attached to the ramones yeah but not in the right way so i would call and set up a meeting and i would say like here's what we're gonna do here's what we want to <laughs> do and they'd be like you work at archie and i was be like no but like i have their blessing and like i can do this like i can bring this to them and like they listened to the pitch and they were so nice and so enthusiastic and then they were like and it just over and over it would be people being like but i'm the merchandise manager like all i control is t-shirt licensing and i'd be like oh okay and they're like talk to this person and i would do the same thing and they'd be like i'm the foreign likeness you know it's just like webmaster yeah and it was just like we went through five people before someone was like no you need to talk to these two people it's so funny because i ended up staying really good friends with our point of contact and she's now a big deal at warner music but um alicia you met her probably Yeah, yeah of course yeah and so yeah it was just wild that journey was so winding so much so that when we started that conversation, we were in the Mamaroneck office, which oh, yeah, if you yeah. ever wanted to see like what an old school comic book office looked like, that mm-hmm. building was just like tables, art tables scrunched together, people still coming in and drawing in the office. Um, yeah, yeah, Nobody had an, their own office. I mean, I had like a closet. Um, and then Ramones, Archie Ramones came out and we were in the Pelham building, yeah, yeah. which uh, if you're not, don't know, like up, upstate New York or, you know, um, it's just... It's just north of New York City, but um, in a much nicer, more open air yeah. space. But um, my point being, it just took a long time. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it took a long time. Uh, the Pelham office is funny because that's the, that's I never went to the Mamaroneck office, but I went to the Pelham office. Yeah. And I, I think I actually I could be wrong and it would be not hard for me to check this. But I think I started my Instagram account because I was like, I'm going to the Archie office and I want to take a picture at the Archie office. I think and, we were being interviewed by MTV or something. We were interviewed by MTV. That's right. Yeah um uh and it was it was fun and weird but i took a bunch of pictures and was like this is my first instagram it might not be my first instagram post because i didn't want to seem that desperate but i think i started my instagram (laughs) to post that like that was the the idea behind it the other book was really fun i had a uh i remember working on it and like just I had this idea that I was like, I want it to be really fucked up. And you were like, we're not going to do that. Yeah, we can't do that. <laughs> and, and I was like, I was like, I want it to be like afterlife. And you were like, no, afterlife is afterlife. Like we leave that alone. Like, and I was like, oh, okay, cool. Yeah. And, I think it's, it's, it's really held up in that it's a really fun classic Archie story. Yeah. 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 
And that brings us to the end of part one of our discussion with Alex Segura. Make sure to check out his new novel, Alter Ego, this November, as well as everything else he's working on by following him on Instagram at Alex Segura Jr. or by subscribing to his newsletter at alexsegura.substack.com. To get the latest episodes of this podcast, as well as news, giveaways, and even comics delivered straight to your inbox, go to ashcanpress.com and sign up for the newsletter. We'll be back next week for part two of our discussion. And in the meantime, you can write to us at ideasdontbleedpod at gmail.com or tweet to Matthew Rosenberg at Ashcan Press on Twitter, me at Tales to Astonish, or Griffin at Griff Sheridan. We'll include some of your correspondence on the show, and we'd love to hear what you have to say. And big thanks to Summer People for our theme song, Where's the Poison? Thanks so much for listening, and we'll see you next time. Where is the poison?